0: Welcome back everyone to the City of Champions podcast, proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, sponsored by ATB. This episode of City of Champions is brought to you by Smart Voice from Shaw Business. Its auto attendant can handle your calls while you focus on your business. Shaw Business, powering the entrepreneur. To learn more, visit shawbusiness.ca. And let's be honest, the machines will take over eventually, so if you can't beat them, join them. Okay, back to business. Hope everyone had a kick-ass holiday season and I really hope 2019 is off to a running start for you. My guest today is a guy with so many things on the go that he can't really afford to slow down. Derek Stone is a mental high-performance coach and owner of Stone Performance Academy. His clients are mostly athletes, uh, but he does work in the corporate world as well. Uh, We spent some time talking about the philosophies behind his program and they're profoundly practical. Derek also works in conflict resolution in the oil and gas sector. Now, I'd love to tell you more about that, but he and I didn't really get to talking about it, so you'll have to look up what that is online. Derek is also an avid outdoorsman and skilled hunter. He hosts a podcast for Wild TV, Canada's hunting and fishing network. Derek and I only met recently, uh, but it's not surprising that we hit it off. He actually pulled my move on me Uh, sliding into those dms and inviting me out for lunch Uh, he's a guy with a ton of different passions and a wealth of life experiences to draw upon so chatting with him was a huge thrill and i know you're all gonna love the episode with coach derek stone Derek, thanks for joining me today, man. Appreciate you coming in and uh, spending some time from your otherwise, I'm sure, very uh, full schedule. I won't say busy because you seem like a guy who's got it under control for the most part.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. appreciate it. Uh, Busy is, I don't know, it's one of those, I think it's a choice, right? Yeah. You know, you got buddies where you're you know oh i'm super busy i'm super busy but then you're like are you really that busy like you know somebody's are you, know, you know i work 40 hours i'm like cool i remember my last you know part-time job <laughs> you know what i mean it's just it's time management so i'm i'm
0: happy to be here really uh really looking forward to going deep i used to have a friend that would say she'd write on i lived with her and a couple other friends and she, we were all like always you know just getting to the workforce and always using that word busy and it was such a you know, it's such a cop-out, right? Like, it's so easy to say it's such a natural reaction, but she would write on the uh, whiteboard on the fridge, she'd go, stop the glorification of busy. Yeah. And it's like, just stop it. Busy is not a good thing, right? Because yeah. if you're busy, it means you lack the foresight to control your schedule, and that's not a good trait to have. Yeah. So so I can appreciate that. Um, I'll list off a couple of things you do, and you, you feel free to add to the list because I'm sure I haven't hit them all, but <laughs> hyper-performance coach, conflict resolution, wild TV podcast host, um, what else what else do you do and like what do you tell people that you do um, when you meet them like the elevator kind of hey how's it going
1: oh the elevator conversation well those ones are always fun I uh, I always just say I you know the performance aspect of things like that's my you know that's my calling that's what I'm meant to do and I went from you know the conflict resolution side of things which is uh, you know a career and I was just listening to Ed Milet podcast yesterday and he was like you know you go from career to calling so as the, my calling is growing and becoming more and more connected um you know i'm living out what i want to do more and you know just by even verbalizing that just saying that like yeah i just i just work with with uh, athletes from 16 to the nhl on the mental performance side of things and then it it really entails so much different stuff right it's mentorship advisory like you know i get guys call me at two in the morning they like, came man, my old lady just broke up with me like can we talk like yeah you know i just help the guys pull their weeds out of the garden and that's my passion so i always go with that but um yeah and then i have a hockey school in fort saskatchewan um with actually the first player i ever started coaching uh, when he was 15 in uh, fort saskatchewan and now we own a hockey school in fort Saskatchewan. it's our first year of business so launching that sort of stuff, retooling the website for something that's very you know outdated. So looking forward to building that out because that's a new little side hustle. So it's like mm-hmm. you got your baseline conflict thing or your baseline job and then your side hustles and they all cross pollinate. So it doesn't seem busy mm-hmm. because you're doing something you want to do and you pick up things on the fly and you kind of pick and move between like, all right, I'm going to this meeting to solve this problem and then i got an hour drive time and i got good headphones so i'll take a call from one of my guys yeah. right you know check in or whatever else but it's uh it's a busy ish you know lifestyle <laughs> but it's uh, it doesn't seem busy when you're really enjoying and it's right on, on like a visceral level mm-hmm. i love it so it doesn't seem too too
0: bad so the the conflict management stuff you do that's that's sort of your your bread and butter that's like the the main thing right and then the other things you consider your side hustle yeah, I think like um, that's dry, like that's paying the bills at this point.
1: They're they're the, I mean they're 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 getting pretty close to yeah. equal right now. So I mean I don't know when, but I know that I'll know when mm-hmm. I'm done with that. Yeah, um, I still really enjoy it. Uh, I mean you do anything for ten years, you know, ten thousand hours, whatever it is, you're going to be good at it. Yeah. So. You know, I, I think I'm, uh, I think I, well, I know I'm really good at it and it's, it's hard to leave with something that you're good at, you know, and there's comfort and there's more money than you could ever, you know, mm. need doing that stuff. Right. But when you're drawn to it, uh, you know, drawn to something else and right now we're not that busy doing it. So it's mm. allowing me to build my other stuff yeah. on the go. But yeah, that's, that's my, that's my main baby husband for 12 years. It's,
0: Do you enjoy it? yeah yeah a lot. okay well that's good.
1: yeah oh yeah i wouldn't do it if i i can't i can't commit spiritual suicide that way i've i've done a lot of stuff and sacrificed a lot of things for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. and um money was always the main one like you know i could sacrifice this this and this and it's really your fulfillment and your happiness for money and you know i'm lucky that i do love it and there is money in it too um i wouldn't do it if it wasn't yeah i mean days suck for sure yeah you know but I learned you kind of learn to embrace that shit.
0: Yeah, I, like the reason I ask is because you know there's a lot of I'd say it's more of an older school mentality of of look sometimes you you just got to do the things you don't want to do to pay the bills, and I can I can sympathize with that in one way, but on the other hand, it's like look like people that came before us like fought literally with their lives so that we have the opportunity now to pursue the things that we enjoy and that make us happy Mm -hmm. and if you know if those aren't lucrative to begin with you know is is it fair to tell a young person trying trying to find you know what excites them that hey you might have to go slug it out and maybe you know work at a car wash or go do something shitty like when they don't really have to like you could you could just drop all your costs in life to to bare minimum and, and try and Try and work your way through it until you finally hit that thing that, you know, you really like and you're good at.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, now, like, you know, being an entrepreneur and side hustle, you know, everything looks really sexy right now. So, and it looks like easy street, but the grind of like being an entrepreneur and not having a shit job is a lot harder with like no pay for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, with a lot of the guys I work with, I love helping them. You know, with that transition, and I had a lot of shit jobs that taught me everything I want to know, By like from an exclusion standpoint, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that because yeah. I'm not meant to use this. You know, I used to move rigs when I was 18 for a year and a half, and I was like, screw that. So I always, I always, um, I never undersell the work ethic that's required for mental performance, for your work, for life, whatever. Um, but I think guys can, I think guys can get by now. A lot easier and find stuff so, like you could flip shit on Kijiji if you wanted to you know mm-hmm. I know guys that make 10 grand a month flipping cars mm-hmm. I and mean, you don't start out at that but side hustle in the summertime whatever but I, I think having those really hard laborious jobs that suck and you got to get up early and it's, it's literally everything that you don't want to do does galvanize and carve your character and you can't really get that in it's not accessible from you know easy street you know it's kind of a one-way road with that so I love when guys do embrace the suck and I think if I was giving anyone advice in terms of your transition when you're done school it would be get a shitty job for a year that you you know you're going to make some good money whatever mm-hmm. and or have a couple shitty jobs you know but do a good job and then travel for a year or two on that money and pick coconuts in Australia like do whatever because that's one thing I didn't do and that is my one of my only regrets is that I didn't go, and I was—I thought I was gonna marry this girl when I was 18, like you always do. Mm-hmm. Stayed back, buddies went, had fun, made money, crushed a bunch of broads. Yeah, you know, and I, fucking moved rakes. So.
0: <laughs> but you say get a shitty job after school and you know struggle it out, but that's that's precluding the possibility that something you like isn't also gonna be shitty, right? Oh, exactly. Like, yeah. you, you might really like design or videography. But you in order to break through might have to go slug it out as an unpaid intern for a year with someone that's still equally shitty and you're gonna Mm -hmm. have to eat a bunch of shit soup while you're while you're trying to work your way up but the lessons you're going to learn are going to be invaluable because it's exactly in the field that you want to do so i think like it's a false dichotomy for people to say hey we want you know we you should go work a shitty job it's like Okay, like yes, there's the traditionally shitty in the sense of like, yeah, go work on the rigs, it's cold, it's hard work, it's dangerous, but there's also like, hey, like shitty can be, I, I'm not getting any compensation for this, yet I'm putting my heart, my soul into it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, there's different, I think there's different, different levels of that.
1: Yeah, I don't know. We, we both know guys that knew what they wanted to do and they're like 10, right? Like I had a buddy, he was a journeyman a year out of high school, mechanic, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like he, he, that's what, he knew what he wanted to do and he loves it. He's good at it. He owns his own business and, you know, great. I, you know, I'm still figuring out what I want to do in some in some sense of the word, right? So having those, I think by process of elimination is the best way to, mm-hmm. to find out and defining your shit, you know, defining what you won't accept, what you, you know you're not whether it's somebody treating you some way or a job that you want or you know from my age my mom like i don't know if she wrote it down in a journal but i think i was eight years old and i said mom i'm, I'm not going to be just an average joe mm-hmm. and uh and i knew that early on but i didn't know what that meant and i'm still like i don't feel like a average joe for right. sure but there's nothing wrong with that either it's just what is your average you know we, we kind of just like summarize shit yeah but it's not like what is your average what is shit to you like mm-hmm. is it working in cold climate away from home okay or that might be it, liberating
0: for some yeah people, exactly right? i might be like yes i'm doing it i'm on the frontier kind of thing
1: yeah it's exciting man it's exciting like i remember doing it my first time i mean you're so nervous you're driving in a truck and then you go into a site with a bunch of other trucks and rig workers and you hear their reputation and you know, but I knew it like the first day I was like, "All right, this is going to suck for sure." But
0: yeah, and tough thing about those jobs is you're with a group of guys that aren't going to let you get away with anything. No, right? You do something so wrong, and they could call you on your shit.
1: It's so good for that, though. Yeah. I love chirps. Man. Like, <laughs> that's why I love hockey too. Yeah. That's the thing I miss the most, and i still got i got a lot of good relationships with the boys so i'm open to chirps about the size of my forehead or that my that my that my nose looks like a baked potato or you know what i mean like i miss that shit
0: they either chirp you because they really hate you or they really like you yeah there's no like you don't chirp someone you're you're lukewarm about right yeah yeah
1: you're like "Uh, yeah maybe not maybe not
0: so you mentioned your mom and and sort of you did you you know you grew up in a single parent household and and um you know, you said you wrote down to her when you were young that I'm not going to be an average Joe. Was there something like? Was there a chip on your shoulder? Like?
1: Oh, for sure. You, you know, know, there's. Give still, us some
0: context to like how Derek Stone became who you are. At well, this there's, point. there,
1: there's still. I mean, there's still, there's still, there's always a chip on my shoulder, but now it's not like a negative one. It's like it's proving to myself because I was my biggest doubter that you know versus everyone else doubting you when then when everyone else does you doubt yourself so that chip on my shoulder will always be there and i'm proud of it and and whatnot but um that came from you know growing up in grand prairie a relatively you know small town like 30 some thousand people when i live there pretty tough uh, grew up in some, you know, shitty neighborhoods, quote, unquote. Right. Um, you know, you look back and you're like, holy man, that was really shitty. But when you, <laughs> you know, you don't have any context when you're that yeah, like, age, So you're like, oh, this is life. Like, my bike got stolen. Like, okay, that's pretty normal around here.
0: Yeah. You know? It's just reality.
1: Uh, yeah. So I grew up, grew up and then I had to, uh, you know, my mom just, she was very, she was very good, very supportive of me um, in a lot of ways. Didn't let me get away with shit. Um, and, you know, moving rigs, I remember, you uh, I came home one morning, like 2.30 in the morning, got a call, like 6 to be at the shop for 7, and we had worked, no joke, a 36-hour shift because we had multiple breakdowns on this big compressor, like so the GP, and, and she goes, okay, well, you can pack your shit and you can move out because you're not going to be able to afford to live here if you don't have a job. I was like, give me a break. I've slept two hours. It's not even safe. And she goes. I watched your stepdad, who's not actually my stepdad, but we'll get into that. Yeah, do this for 15 years. Yeah. Work a lot harder than you, and have to drive, not just be a swamper. She goes. So, and I think she'd heard it on a movie, like pick up your skirt and grab your balls. Like I was like, what? She's like, pick up your skirt, grab your balls, and go to work, or you can move the fuck out. Like she sold my car on me uh, <laughs> when I, I went to I came to Edmonton to party with the boys, 16, fake ID. I had a Chrysler Intrepid, yeah, and uh, and I didn't appreciate it, and I was bitched. It was a soccer mom car, and she right. wouldn't give me money to tint the windows and whatever. And I came back, and my fucking car was gone. So she never let me get away with shit that way. And, um, you know, my dad was pretty shitty in a lot of ways. Like, he, his idea of quality time would pick me up, take me to Wendy's, grab, like, a number six. Mm-hmm. He let me drive his truck from Wendy's to our house when I was 11 years old, and I bet you it was 15 kilometers
0: as an 11 year old. Yeah. Like couldn't, I couldn't even reach the, the
1: no, pedals. No, no. Yeah. And I almost smacked a car, turned it into our old street Yeah, and uh, he's like, grab the wheels. I'm like Jesus. I'm like, Ooh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but when you're in the situation, you
0: don't think how kind of fucked up things are. Right. But like, that's an interesting, an interesting question would be like, did that give you confidence? Like to have other people show that kind of confidence in you? <laughs>
1: yeah. I don't know. I think, uh, I think it, you know, with the shit with like my dad and stuff like that. And, Um, I had a good guy in my life. He still is in my life. I lived with my mom when he was six weeks, or when I was six weeks till I was, like, 13. Mm -hmm. But, you know, alcoholic, ran around on her. Always good to me. You know, not really any strife. Like, didn't grow up in a, you know, we just grew up in a lean household. Yeah. And my mom worked two jobs for a lot of time when I was younger. I had to walk. I think it was, I did, I I was actually chirping my mom about this not too long ago. (laughs) She's so like, you made me walk three kilometers to school. It was not three kilometers. in like, Google Maps. Yeah, we you know, can Parkside, prove this shit yeah, now. Parkside School to 79th Ave is 3K. And like two days a week, I have to pack a trumpet. And <laughs> so, you know, but it, it was all good stuff. Yeah. You know, looking back, like, that's the cool thing about being a dad now is I get to right all the wrongs mm-hmm. and see all the shit and like understand how like people didn't know how to communicate with me. When I was younger, because I did have a chip on my shoulder, you know, I fought lots, Had I still have severe ADD issues, I have report cards to prove it, I actually just looked at them like about a month ago, and, um, you know, it'd been a long shot my whole life, just kind of based on that whole setting, essentially, mm-hmm. but my mom was always, you know, that main line of support, um, you know, I had to pay back my college loans, you know, I'm she she was ruthless man when I was in college, I missed an 11 dollar credit payment that was on my credit for like 7 years. Yeah. Um, cuz she wouldn't give me 11 bucks cuz I pissed away a college bursary for 2300 bucks in the bar.
0: Jesus, So, Well, you look at that kind of behavior, you know, from your mom and and nowadays if you try to raise a kid to that to that caliber, that'd be borderline negligence or borderline oh, like yeah. mistreatment, you know, like someone's going to say, "Oh, you know, you can't treat your kids like that." But I mean, Jesus, like it sounds like she really like carved yeah. steel from steel right like yeah. like you need that harsh like yeah. accountable environment to become something more than just you know a soft piece of shit
1: yeah that's the tough part about being a dad now is like how do you you know expose your kid to to strife and to you know just difficult situations mm-hmm. but you're working so hard to give them a life that you didn't have or you know whatever you want to call it but um so I mean I have routines with my kids where like you know, they grind like my kid, does, he's four, he does chin ups, push ups, like he works out with me, <laughs> That's awesome. cleans the house, does yeah. the chores. Like, you know, I had to vacuum, I had to do dishes, I had to do all that shit that you don't even think twice. We, yeah. I never even have a fucking dishwasher, so you look back and you're like, oh man, how do I get what I needed or what I got out of that, mm-hmm. but not have so much weird stuff, you yeah. know? Like,
0: kudos to your mom, too, just on a side note, for like being because. It's got to be hard when you're the single parent, the single mom parent. Like the reason why it's so important to have two parents is because they're both Assumably people with flaws and together they make somewhat of a complete person that you can then model yourself exactly. after Yeah, and so to only be that one influence to always have to be the bad cop And it would have been so easy for her to go like oh, you know He's had a you know tough upbringing without a dad around. Yeah, like, yeah I'm gonna you know, he, he deserves me to treat him like really nicely and, and spoil him like, you know Yeah, it's it that's good on her. That's had to be in a tough way to get through it
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think for her like looking back I was thinking just yesterday I mean I got three kids and they're four two and one and I was like man if Chanel, my wife you know if something happened to her or whatever I'm like how the hell because Lincoln's got school once a week or twice a week uh, for a couple hours how would I do that in this job and I was like you got to be work for yourself so you have the schedule so that if she's busy doing something you're not so reliant so I look back I'm like holy man I don't know how she did that and mm-hmm. then when she worked her way up in her industry and moved up to Fort Mac for a bit and, you know, made out like a bandit up there. She kinda made up for lost time with that stuff. And took us to Disneyland when I was in no after college or something like that. Took us to Disneyland, like she wanted to do that her whole life or or whatnot. But I mean so I think i with the with the dad thing i had a perfect example of like what not to do so it was like what to do you know you're chewing the meat and throwing away the bones with that and kind of filtering that mm-hmm. and then perfect example of what not to do is like it's a very comprehensive detailed <laughs> list to be like all right well that like i mean most even if you do half that list you're probably going to be a, right. a a good dad you know right. what i mean so it's a perfect example of what not to do but I still got some characteristics from him mm-hmm. you know uh you know the fighting thing and i mean i've gotten a lot better with anger and stuff like that like i'm not without flaws mm-hmm. that way but
0: that I, stuff I, dissipates as you age too right like it does like your, your characteristics i think become more pronounced like the good ones and the bad ones become less pronounced because you get yeah. more self-aware right
1: yeah and and for me the 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 coaching side of things with these young athletes um, it it also heals my heart in that way, being able to talk to them because I identify with so much, you know, whether it's divorced parents or, you know, just dealing with shit or mm-hmm. l- limited funds for hockey. It's not cheap, so that too has healed my heart. And then the message that I'm promoting, you know, if you're a good coach, you're also taking your own advice. Be like, oh, maybe you need to refine that too, because right. you can't fully tell somebody, you know, or help somebody find the answer to anger if you're still being angry or. Mm-hmm. Whatever, so I'm like mad at less for not as long now, but it's still in me, yeah. and, you know. And if shit hit the fan, like, you know, you know, you've got that like dark passenger kind of thing. Yeah, I have like that I, killer instinct, right? I, I have a tattoo on my ribs until it sleeps. Yeah, you know, and it's like, it's there. Yeah, but I just don't access it, which why I don't drink much or go party much because mm-hmm. that's where it all kind of come from.
0: It's it's much it's much more powerful and practical, I think, to have that dark side. Uh-huh. Be in power, be have the ability to really be bad and not use it. It's much more noble to be able to be bad and not than to not be able to be bad. Yeah. Like if you're a trained killer or like, like, you know, fighters in hockey are the best example, right? It's the guy, it's, you know, it's the guys that just are the most deadly out there on the ice, but off the ice, just the biggest teddy bears. Everyone loves them, the team favorite. It's like because they're so capable and that they don't exercise that in daily life makes them so highly regarded like yep. it's not noble to be a, you know a wallflower and somebody can't can't do anything if shit hits the fan
1: yeah right? Yeah, I think when you're self-aware and that's that's like a big message that I always promote to the guys and especially to, you know, my business clients is self-awareness is the key to transformation. And when you're transforming, you're kind of separating those two things where you still have access, you know, you still got a little key on your key ring for the shitty side of you that you can do once in a while mm-hmm. or that comes out when you drink or, you know, whatever. Yeah. But knowing that you have it, it's like having a gun Whole. It's like having a concealed weapon. Mm-hmm. You know, you got it. Nobody else does. Or no need to use it but if shit hits the fan you know and you can pull little things from that like sharks are born swimming you know what i mean like they're they're on the attack as soon as they're born mm-hmm. so you can pull from that you know relentlessness or that anger you can kind of turn that into something and use it as a skill so then there's not much resources left in that bank cuz you've taken all the good and you know got rid of all the bad and kind of hit that reset button right yeah this is exactly. amazing coffee by the way
0: french press uh classy Star- starbucks true north i think yeah leave it in there for five minutes
1: french press eh? yeah getting fancy
0: it's just i no fancy is having the nespresso which i don't have
1: then ne- oh that's the one of the pods yeah yeah I my roommates
0: you. have that yeah but i don't use it
1: why, I, do you buy your own pods is it a no i don't thing? i don't
0: use it I, like, But
1: like what is it a pod based thought yeah like,
0: you know, yeah they, you buy the pods you drop them in there the reason i don't like that is because i i enjoy a large quantity of coffee i like to sip on coffee like all day kind mm-hmm. of in through a thermos yeah those things just give you either like an espresso or or a long black or they or a latte like they don't give you a good amount of coffee
1: right? yeah my wife's parents got one and i do two and like espresso and then another coffee and, yeah. like blend it and they're like I was like,
0: there's a $6 (laughs) coffee." Yeah, exactly. By the time you're done. And then now they've got good recycle programs for the pods. But when they first started it, they were all just going to the landfill and stuff. Well,
1: like I said, yeah. He goes, my only regret is not making them recyclable because like they're worse than they just, they're like a diaper that doesn't, you know, doesn't ever go away.
0: But you're like me. You drink your coffee black. Yeah. And so therefore like you appreciate good coffee, right? Like,
1: yeah, it's, oh, I don't know, man. I'll do a heavy cream or whipped cream sometimes. Yeah. And just, you know, it doesn't mix in, but so if I get an americano, it's already so bold, and I get an extra bold. Mm-hmm. So I'll get to put a little cream in there to kind of make it less strong. But
0: uh, where's your favorite cup of coffee from in the city?
1: Oh man, I don't even know. There's so many good ones in here. That Levi's um, in West Ed, like in that fancier part by Simon's.
0: Uh, it's I haven't like, been there.
1: It's uh, I always see. Um, I don't know if it's owned by like a, a a Jewish family or what, but I always see like. You know, uh, traditional Jewish guys sitting out there drinking coffee, <laughs> and it's like it's right like on the way to Simon's in West End. Okay, there's so many great coffee shops in town, yeah. but my favorite one is probably in Calgary. It's a flat white. That's what I. It's yeah. one of my favorite. Flat white. I don't even know the name. It's in that new cross iron, gigantic,
0: overwhelming mall. Oh, okay. But and it's not a chain? Is it one off? No, I think
1: it's a one off. Yeah. Uh, it's a cool, like, sort of mystique. It's got, like, gold. I don't know. It's just, it's got, it's got a good vibe to it. I like it. <laughs> your
0: fancier side comes out.
1: Yeah, yeah. i I take a flat, flat white, please? Yeah, flat white. And then, uh, yeah, and they only come in small. So, Starbucks, your mm-hmm. classic, like, We'll make anything in any size. It's only supposed to I don't call them the small size. I don't, mm-hmm. don't know what they're not even what is the small one in the fancy term?
0: Oh uh tall. Okay. Small, so tall is a small.
1: oh uh, yeah, and then venti's the big one. So yeah, tall. They're only supposed to come in a tall. Yeah. But Starbucks you can get it in a venti. Yeah.
0: In the States, someplace you can get a Trenti. Jeez. Thirty ounces.
1: Thirty ounces of coffee?
0: Yeah. Can, what do you do after that? Anything you want. You yeah, fuck worlds your oyster after 30, Have ounces of coffee. Have you tried that nitro? Oh, the cold brew. Yeah, yeah, like the
1: Keith Jardine's brand or whatever. The there's a few guys. They're always on Rogan. It's like oh, okay. one of Rogan's
0: sponsors. No, I haven't tried that one. I've only I've tried like Starbucks' cold, like nitro cold brew. Nitro yeah. just means that it comes through, through a nitrogen pump. Oh, okay. Right? So similar to um, like beer on tap. Yeah, a lot of times it's CO two. Sometimes Guinness is used nitrogen.
1: Yeah, I love. I'll I'll have a Guinness once or twice a year. They're pretty good.
0: Once or twice a year, well, man, you really hold out. I well, it's like a meal. You know what I mean. You got to fast for a couple days to drink a couple of those <laughs> Well, here, here's the thing. Common misconception about Guinness because it's uh, use nitrogen and not CO two. Uh, it's actually less gas in it, and it's yeah. actually less filling than a normal beer. Really? So if you were, if I were to say, hey. You and me chugging competition right now. Pick your beer. You go Guinness. I'd go Guinness. Really? Yeah. See, I'm I don't really ever drink beer that much. So when I do, it's a Guinness,
1: and mm-hmm. it's usually once or twice a year on St. Paddy's Day, some Irish or something.
0: Yeah, not a boy. Same. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm like uh, I don't know. I did that 23andMe. Okay. What was your experience with that? It was pretty good, man. They come out getting out like they they take your DNA right, and then they give you all these answers, and I have like a one something predisposition to uh, um, uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah. And then I was like. All Northwest European, point zero one percent North African. It was all like UK English with a little bit of German. Right. But then they keep your DNA with new modern technologies and advancements. Mm. They send you updates that you're
0: predisposed to. Right. So overall, like I was pretty happy with. So it's gen- generally like what you expected of it, though, right? Hundred like percent. You're like, yeah. okay, I know kind of basic what my family's told me. This is sort of where we come from. All that yep. stuff. Any yep. surprises in there? Uh, like no. one that wasn't point zero. Zero one something
1: well, well, no. So the big surprise was me that I had like three quarters of the total amount of Neanderthal um, <laughs> variants or something like that. So some yeah. people are so far removed from it. It's like you're one thousand by three of uh, three hundred thousand potential. Right. I was like two hundred thirty-eight thousand of three hundred thousand Neanderthal variants Explains the
0: forehead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs>
1: and then, uh, and and just never being knocked out. Yeah, I've never been knocked out. I was like, yeah, maybe three, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, that and then the sprinter muscle, mm-hmm. uh, that was sort of like my, my two surprises. Obviously what's the, that, the sprinter muscle? So you have like, uh, you know, endurance, uh, you know, muscle fiber. So like yeah,
0: slow twitch, fast twitch. Yeah, that. so
1: it's like fast twitch. So um, that was a surprise to me.
0: They um, said you had more of it? or No, I was
1: just the sprinter or muscle huh? or whatever. But Are it's, you fast? I don't know. I think I'm still pretty fast, but I don't know <laughs> compared to who now. I, I'm not exactly running races, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I think I could clip, I could get away from cops if I need to run. I think
0: <laughs> it goes straight to cops. Yeah, old habits that Yeah, exactly. what else are you going to run from? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. A lion? That's usually not a concern too often. Yeah, I mean, maybe in the
1: zoo or something yeah. gets out. I mean, I definitely couldn't get away from a lion. I'd be.
0: You do mostly like, um, you do like, uh, functional workouts right you're smashing tires with a sled jam you're flipping them you're doing that pull-ups and stuff like that right yeah i mix it up like i did
1: a lot of conventional stuff and uh you know it's it's super beneficial so what i like to do is i like to get in my flow state right away and i I really don't enjoy running that much but i i like it more than a treadmill Mm -hmm. so but i would rather you know run trails in my backyard you know or do like an obstacle course for cardio mm-hmm. then run so i'll do a couple laps get ripping in my flow state for for running or like just you know for instance i don't know why i go to Florence in the machine but like there's a couple songs that just sound so good when yeah. you're in that state And then yeah i'll go and do i'll go and do you know hammers ropes tires i love kettlebells i'm probably getting a kettlebell tattoo maybe um but uh and then i'll go and do some conventional stuff that you're not going to get in that like whether it's lap pull downs or whatever so i i kind of do a bunch of different stuff but i'm getting better at just full i love fully functional Mm -hmm. aspects like my balance is great because i work on an bossu ball Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff but um yeah, I'm really trying to mix it up this year and see. I'm actually looking for some newer stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's like... A uh, challenge, bits, Like a yeah. mace.
0: You know, I want to do like some mace workouts oh, okay. or something like that. What about, would you ever learn how to use nunchucks? None, none? Is it numb or none?
1: I don't even know, man. I Yeah, I don't I don't even know numb if it's, it's numb. Yeah, it's got to be nun, nunchuck. I don't know. I should Google <laughs> it. But um, yeah, something like that, like boxing or even stick handling. Like I just kind of do all kinds of different stuff. I have gymnastic rings mounted into the studs in the roof of my basement Well,
0: oh, that's pretty cool well they're deadly there on a, deadly on the shoulder
1: yeah my kid that's what he does chin-ups on he's, yeah. and he's four and he can do five chin-ups all on his own on, which like the stabilizer muscles from yeah. that so if they're there you're going to use it so i just have workout shit in rooms that i'm in frequently right so i'll be watching three or four games at once because i got guys you know in the dub or aj or whatever mm-hmm. and then you know earn intermission or if a game's really boring i'll you know, do some kettlebell swings or yeah. something like that. But yeah. I uh, I want to do more challenges. We should do. I was. We should build a team. See if you wants to go on. Yeah, he's uh, up early. I
0: see. Um, Two out of three days in the last three days. Yeah, that's today he missed it. Today.
1: Yeah, we're gonna take a rest day. <laughs> rest day. But like a a Spartan race. Like yeah. I really. This year is a
0: year for experiences.
1: For yeah. Me. I wanna I wanna do new shit. Like I'm going to the opera mm-hmm. next month. Never been to an opera to see Ross. That's right. Yeah. I gotta book tickets. Which night are you going on? Uh, I don't know the ones in February okay uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do that and then you know some races i'm learning how to fly fish from some buddies that i met uh, right. through wild tv and mm-hmm. and brian McGrattan who i really look up to mm-hmm. um you know he's the pinnacle of what i want to do you know in terms of nhl capacity right working with players helping them with substance abuse stuff like mm-hmm. the guys so connecting myself with people like that and then going through experiences with them mm-hmm. is kind of my goal for this year yeah like just a general one anyways. okay we'll
0: talk i'll make a note here we'll talk about some experiences offline because i got a few ideas yeah and I'm, i just want to push myself more this year um yeah 100 percent. and it's nothing more rewarding than after all that hard work in the gym and training like yeah. actually accomplishing something yeah like and it's hard because you think you're fit if you spend a lot of time in the gym and then you go out to like do something real and like 10 minutes in you like pull something in your hip or, or yeah. your ab and you're like fuck like yeah i thought i was fit like I work out, i lift a lot of weight but like am i actually fit or yeah. am i just strong
1: were you hockey fit you yeah. know what i mean i went skating when we went up to the farm there my brother-in-law rented the ice mm-hmm. in spirit river and went skating and my cardio was still good like i was there was only six of us i was zipping around i was like oh cool mm-hmm. and then the other day like i did it would be the equivalent of like 400 meters of tire flips mm-hmm. And then all the other stuff, plus the workout, plus the run. And I still had energy. So my VO2 max has probably never been better. Yeah. And yeah, like rugby fit, football fit, like hiking fit, hunting, you know, like I I just try to have a bunch of different muscles. Remember that? Like, oh, he's got old man strength. Yeah. I got so strong moving rigs, like pulling winch line all the time. And then like, you know, I was just hammering steroids when I was that age, yeah. uh, in, uh, when I was 18, 19. And you know, moving rigs just like trying to make like a so that was your
0: workout? <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it was just tough, get
0: juiced up and work on the. Oh legs. yeah, and
1: then you don't know how to take anything, right? Yeah. So your face all swollen, you're strong as shit. Right. Worst temper, mm-hmm. like worst versions of myself, and. uh and yeah, just getting all, getting all jacked up, pulling, moving rigs, and the strength you got from that was insane, man.
0: Dude, that's wild. Yeah. Is there so, any long term effects from from that part of your life? I, to be honest with you, I think there is.
1: That's that's one of the things. Like I, you know, it was a big part of my life for a long time. Like I'm not proud of it or right. anything like that. And I, I, th- I still think I got some residual strength from it. I yeah. was always strong. Um, and I never. I don't really know why. I think it came from a place of insecurity, to be honest with you. I was made fun of a lot as a kid. And then, you know, I went one school for to grade five and then grade six to eight. And then I was in one nine and then ten to eleven and a half and eleven and a half to twelve and a half and then twelve in somewhere else. So a lot of insecurity, a lot of new settings mm-hmm. and then a lot of residual shit from being made fun of for you know being poor or you know having to walk to school or being chubby or yeah. whatever it
0: was right so all things that long term have made you a stronger person
1: 100% right? but they fuck you up in the moment man yeah. like you for know sure. I there's not a day goes by I don't look at my stomach and make sure I still got abs or <laughs> and I've been on the other side of that the yeah. worst version of myself I posted a picture 228 pounds Jeez. oh miserable engaged to just
0: a uh, sea bag and uh <laughs> and, and you're so how tall are you just to give people five, I think, to, what, five eight five eight, eight know, on a good five, day yeah with cowboy boots like five, nine. <laughs> and but so 225 at five nine. 228,
1: yeah. 228 yeah yeah i was in the,
0: they call it my unless you're a
1: bodybuilder that's not a good way no no i saw a picture i was standing on the back of a boat and my short was like in my shorts were in my ass crack and then my love handles were just, it looked like I had an inner tube like <laughs> surgically put in. And then I have a picture of me like sweating, hanging down chin, shaved head in a bar. Yeah. And I like, I keep it on my phone and I'll send it to people. I'm like, and I have one of me right after I broke up with her, chin straps, smoking a cigarette with our VIP host in a bar in Vegas when you could smoke in the bars. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being Mr. Cool Guy. And I was like, here's when I was the worst version of myself. Yeah. And I think drinking while I was on those steroids Caused a lot of the, you know, hormonal issues. Mm-hmm. I have a ton of food sensitivities now hmm, um, Interesting and it's all uh, the,
0: the sort of physiological stuff that you don't really hear about. Yeah man.
1: You just think like okay, you do testosterone and then you mix that with this and then when you're done You take Klamet or novel De- or Noveldex or whatever at the end to you know Keep your estrogen down to keep your gains and you do this to do water well, I was drinking and doing drugs mm-hmm. and and doing that. And it's like the equivalent of drinking Drano and then you're juiced up, right it up. There was times where I looked great. Don't get me wrong. But yeah. when you're young and you're hammering, you know, your metabolism's already good. So you're getting away with murder kind of. Yeah. But, yeah, you're having like kidney
0: pains, and then... Your, st- your your body looked great, but if you could see like your innards and oh your brain, it would have been the worst fucking, yeah. worst picture you could ever imagine of yourself.
1: Well, yeah, and so I'm trying to... I, I keep that in mind all the time, right? And that's mm-hmm. where the chip on the shoulder comes. Like, you were a total shit bag. Yeah. You were always... I was always... I always had that help muscle you know anybody needed help moving or if i saw one of my buddies you know get beat up or something like that like i always had that sheepdog mentality from mm-hmm. my mom because that was all i really had in terms of like uh, currency mm-hmm. is like oh he's tough yeah. you know what i mean so i use that but i was super insecure and in all that like behind the scenes and the residual effects of steroids um and the need for it are a constant reminder of how insecure i was yeah when you know i can't eat a lot of stuff and it's not just from that i had a broken leg and got an infection and mm-hmm. killed all my gut biome and stuff so there's a 100% effects you need to think about yeah and i use that to shock myself into quit chewing
0: mm-hmm. too because <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i'm struggling i yeah. could use a zen right now zen yeah we got brett has them somewhere hidden in here oh i'm going out of the states i'm going to pick up some more if you want oh, some you yes. can I grab you some
1: yes yeah. yes that i can do nicotine it's like nicotine gum yeah it just tastes better yeah but the chew stuff you don't know what's really going oh, on so much. and the heavy metals yeah. that's what i was worried about
0: yeah because they don't they put fiberglass in it to actually like, like cut open your lips yeah. so it gets into your bloodstream
1: i might get chirped for this but like i you know i went to pouches for, I, I could i still throw in copenhagen which is like sawdust but yeah i love it i love the taste and miss it um but pouches i switched to pouches because yeah. i could go into meetings you know side bag it and, yeah. and you're laughing so the zin ones i justify because it's nicotine
0: yeah they were made they were designed they're still actually well they're designed in sweden um and made for specifically professionals working in the office when smoking was no longer with kind of there's a stigma to smoking right yeah and like you also don't want to be have this fat like code like shortcut or whatever it is yeah. in, your, in your mouse. so they were designed for the people in the offices doing those jobs yeah they're uh, they're pretty slick man we're, i we're, i really like them we're, we're on a tangent here i want to i want to reel it back in for a second and i want to talk about well firstly like the fact that you're now working with athletes and this, a lot of younger athletes and you've come out on the other side of all these experiences that one could look at negative maybe at the time were but long term helped you forged you who you are and, and now you you're in a great position to to kind of be that proof of concept for for other people. Um, so talk about uh, Stone Performance Academy and sort of how, you know, what what's the process when a kid comes to you or you find a kid? Like how does that work? Um, so there's a couple different
1: channels like to, to get, to find me, most of the stuff in the hockey world is referral based. Mm-hmm. You could have the best website, you know, whatever. But if somebody gives you a validation, then the players come by referral for mm-hmm. the most part and it's and so from you know an agent or a rep like I've, I've got one guy that I work with who is you know my hockey soulmate like he is he's the guy who's like he's he's like the Joan Hill and Moneyball and I'm <laughs> yeah. like Brad Pitt like together we do a today, together we do a you know we, we're a great combo so I get mm-hmm. a lot of I get a lot of clients that way and then from other players right because mm-hmm. every one of these guys has played with somebody whether it's in their hometown in, in Bantam or, you know, oh, I know a guy who's in the show now. So mm-hmm. 90% of my business is all referral-based. And then, yeah, we just start out. It all really depends on the athlete, every program, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I hate that term because the the more structure you put on it, these guys are so used to structure. They, they need structure for routines and goals and stuff like that. And we build that on the back end. But a first call with a player, I'm going through... Um, you know, we're doing a, an emotional check-in to see, you know, what they're mad, sad, afraid of, all that sort of stuff, and then we go into the gut check model, which I, you know, designed as a general outline for players to for players to follow um, to to coach themselves. Because you're not always going to need me. It's super front end loaded. We do a lot of work. It's just like anything. The more work you put in, the more you get out of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've got guys that are on crazy point streaks right now. Everyone who was really bought into it is seeing tangible results, um, and that's where a lot of the referrals come from. You know, guy was snake bitten, then he got a, a conk, and and he was out for a bit, and then got put on the third line. You know, it was like, what the hell? You know, I'm a first line guy, and now he's conk got is
0: a concussion for people who don't. Yeah, know yeah, that. sorry, the sorry. hockey terminology. Yeah,
1: so so they uh, you know, and then he's got ten points in or ten goals in eight games. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just to get him flying, so it's really whatever the player needs but emotional regulation emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. clarity uh confidence and a short-term memory are all results of you know working together and then they set the tone like you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fucking chase you down Mm -hmm. i'll I'll always initiate contact but if you're if you're ghosting me like that's okay that's the path you feel you need to take right now i'll always be here without judgment on the back end of it Mm -hmm. but you know we don't we know it's not like we're dating but you know have some respect and there's the stuff that's the guys that need the most work are the guys that are kind of doing that below the line shit like you know i'm taking time out of my day a lot of it's free i do a ton of work for free man Mm -hmm. it's like hey can you talk to this kid i'm like yeah for sure so if i'm chasing down a guy um to try and help him out and he doesn't want to help himself out that's kind of the barrier but you know guys check in every day every other day i'm part of their pregame routines i watch a lot of their footage You know, chirp them, do goal shaming videos, that sort of shit. So it's it's whatever the player needs, and that's like the initial process. And then they get on a point where they're, you know, autonomously and critically thinking. Mm -hmm. And then I'm there just to help them course correct along the way. And then, you know, whether it's helping them find jobs or new technologies for human optimization, whether it's like from a neuropathic uh, standpoint with, you know, cognitive work, um, to re, not recover from concussions, but to get you back to a higher level once you're out of that two or two right long window
0: Because a lot of the times people aren't doing the retraining right of, yeah. of, of the neural pathways and, and especially the eyes are so big in that you need to you need to have active dedicated and sort of um, mm-hmm. Intentional training on that in order to get the brain functioning properly A hundred percent. So I
1: try to be the, the conduit for them for whatever they need, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether it's, you know, help the guy get his his vehicle all blacked out and got him a deal with that or, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, I'm a, I have a lot of connections and it's my job to help connect people and I love doing right. that. So whether it's, you know, Neurotracker company out of Montreal where, you know, all these NFL guys, NHL guys, like teams are using this technology to get them back or they need help finding a job or just mm-hmm. somebody to chat with because mm-hmm. dad's a dick, mom is behind the scenes coach is unapproachable and you don't want to share that shit Mm -hmm. with your buddies yeah so it's a non-biased safe harbor for them to just reach out 365 24-hour access Mm -hmm. all my guys know to call if it's after 9 p.m i'm done that's when i shut down my business but if you call me twice it will go through Mm -hmm. and i'll answer and i know it's a
0: 911 right you know that's unbelievable so the guys have the trust in you that you're there at any point that they need you um one question a couple things jumped to mind but one question that i had was at what point like does your counsel of them include things like hey dipshit like blocking your truck out like isn't an important thing that you should be worried about you know (laughs) like where, where where do you draw the line like it's that's just such a young person thing like you know the the greatest example from my life is there was between the ages of 15 and 21 everyone's throwing subs in their trunk right i know right it's just, oh, i gotta <laughs> get the sub in my trunk maybe black out the window if i have any money left yeah. and then maybe get some better speakers so like in addition to my bass mobile i've got this like good sounding car as well but yeah like you know do you ever like jump in there and be like hey man like that shouldn't be a priority or like like that's not going to make you happy in the long run
1: it's uh i come from it, it i come at it from a consultant perspective mm-hmm. i highlight i do exactly what my mom taught me highlight the repercussions of this decision highlight the repercussions of this decision and you form your own decision but yeah there's a time where i gotta shoot i owe it to them to shoot them straight mm-hmm. and i think of them all my guys know i'd run through a fucking wall for them they all know that so when it comes time to have that tough talk i don't pussyfoot around it mm-hmm. you know guys are like oh i'm still thinking about my ex-girlfriend i'm like i call him i'm like here's a deal you're giving her all your power by thinking about her, which is causing you to shit the bed on the ice. And then you have all these things depleting your confidence. You need to man up, stop being a pussy, get over her. She treated you like shit, and she cheated on Probably you. Probably
0: out there sucking someone else. Yeah, like
1: exactly, that. right? She's in an escalator right now blowing somebody. <laughs> hey, but that's love. Yeah, that's, that's love, love, that's love. Glad you caught that one. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I got I to gotta shoot him straight. Yeah. You know, that guy, for instance, he, he's wanted that vehicle forever, signed an NHL contract. You know, it's they know it, and I'll kick it with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you just gotta
0: not let those types of behaviors run away, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, all right, but you already got like the blacked-out vehicle. Yeah. Do you need that fancy watch at this point? Yeah. Is that really gonna make your make you a better player? Well,
1: it's like a compass, right? We're always heading north. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you might be off a couple of degrees, and I'm here to help you get back on course. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's my job to also let them fail too because sometimes their ego's in the way mm-hmm. and they think it's not gonna, you know, i got some guys with crazy point streaks right now and it's gonna end, Yeah, you know? And, 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 and that's okay. But, you know, I always remind them your physical talents aren't going away. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not a shitty hockey player all of a sudden it's just the connection between your mind and your body that's having an issue and you're overthinking it and you know i can have a 10 minute conversation boom right back on track right so sometimes shooting them straight me like you're being a little bitch don't be so soft Mm -hmm. you know but also acknowledging where they're at too because i've been there Mm -hmm. you know and i responded differently and but i've seen a lot of generational stuff and i was talking to a guy the other day i was like man i was like i shit to bed too so they they know that it's okay to make mistakes because I share that vulnerability. I'm like, of I'm not speaking to you like I knew this when I was your age cause I sure as hell did.
0: not yeah. I only figured this out four years ago. So if you can figure it out at 18, yeah. you're fucking sailing, exactly. man. Exactly. It's yeah. like, I don't want to be that guy that says when i was your age but like just hear my story and then you come to your own conclusion yeah yeah it's like the best way to get someone to talk about their problem isn't to be like hey tell me about your problem it's like hey here are all my problems yeah and let's see if there's something that i say that i've experienced that you might identify with and say oh maybe i can learn from that instead of me telling you hey learn from this right
1: yeah and it it gives other guys consent Mm -hmm. when they're seeing other guys be vulnerable Mm -hmm. so if guys hold them back I'll share some super personal stuff that sometimes I've never shared with anybody. Mm. Like, listen, man, like, you know, I've done that. Mm. I was doing those drugs. I was sleeping with these many girls. You know, I was doing this. I was doing that. And then like, okay, well, you know, because it's like some of the times you just can't sound like their parents, right? Yeah. But if they're hearing a message it. that's similar they're going to realize because i've been hearing that same message for so long if somebody else that i really trust and shared their vulnerability with me versus my dad just telling me what to do the whole time and not telling me why everybody all these guys now want to know why everybody everything is why yeah it's never been it's never gone away but now everyone i need to do that why mm-hmm. it's and worry you know in the generation because i fucking told you to mm-hmm. you know what i mean and guys aren't responding to that so defining that line and not telling them mm-hmm. what to do but saying don't be an
0: idiot yeah. that's a stupid decision it's funny hitch said that about about coaching i don't know if you caught that quote of his he said this a couple weeks ago his players nowadays these millennials are so smart he goes like back 20 years ago when i used to coach it was just like you know tell them what to do and then they do it mm-hmm. and then it was tell them what to do and how to do it and i was like all right there's the next step now it's tell them what to do how to do it and why they're doing it he's mm-hmm. like and these players want to know they're 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 more talented than they've ever been they're high performers that they're they're better in all aspects of their life a lot of these guys are also educated and also smart kids um and yeah it's 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 vital now to to have all the information because yeah. everyone else does too right so how are you going to compete unless you're able to pull it all together
1: yeah and I'm, and I'm seeing a lot of guys you know that are battling with that where that old school mentality is still there mm. and coach some coaches are evolving and changing like hitches i love that he's one of my favorite coaches i i've always liked him some people hate him i just don't give a shit you know <laughs> I, I like him i think i would respond to a guy like that yeah um you know when i played my coach would break a hockey stick a garbage can i responded to that now you look almost weak if you're doing that. So mm-hmm. I I, you know, try to show and highlight the facts of like, this is temporary. This is your coach for now. If you can respond to this style of leadership, which is authoritarian, you know, zero validation, whatever, you're going to respond so much more to somebody else is factor one. But factor two, self-validate. Mm-hmm. Know that you did a good job because you're not going to... When do you ever hear what you want to hear from the coach? Right. It's very rare. The good coaches that are a player's coach communicate that. But, you know, if a guy's winning and he's old school, mm-hmm. he sure as hell ain't going to change. So they've got to change. Yeah. You know, versus, you know, Hitch is very, he's very adamant about changing his message. Mm-hmm. You know, if your guys aren't responding, okay, well then, you know, let's retool the message. Because yeah. like, he knows if he doesn't
0: change the message, they're going to change the coach.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. and what's going on with them? I heard a funny stat this morning. I was stretching. One mm-hmm. of my goals this year is to stretch more. Stretch so more. I was, Yeah, I was stretching this morning. Pre-sauna stretch. And, uh... And it was, I felt bad because I was, you know, talking about physical talents not going away. Lucic scored his first goal two nights ago for mm-hmm. the first time this season on American soil. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you know, he's a 30-goal scorer. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, what's the click factor with him? Like, so I'm man, would so you like tri- to get your hands oh, on him? Man, right? I know, well, it, that's the hard part about when you're a coach you know you yeah. can help, but how do you get in touch? Do you DM? I DM a lot of guys, but, you know, everybody DMs him. So it's yeah. by referral that right. I would... You know but i know i can have. I've, I've got guys that are not to be a dick but more talented you know at further age or further role and i don't think that he's
0: not adaptable i don't think he's a bad hockey player anything like that it's just the connection it's, it's got to be right you got the physical gifts you're not and you, know, you see him he's he's not slow by any means like he can't handle the puck at high speed but you see him get up on his horse and like that goal um Goal that Settle scored two games ago, where Luch came in on the forecheck, just annihilated the guy. Yeah, and then and then and then the puck got out front, and Settle scored. Like he yeah. he beat that. I think that was Lindholm, or it, it was one of the Anaheim defense. that's yeah. it's not a slow player. Yeah, and he caught up to him. So. Yeah, he's, I mean, but that's
1: the thing is that everyone's expectations. Like, okay, well, he's not going to be McDavid. He's mm-hmm. not going to be this. I think people are a little rattled because he's being paid a lot of money. So it goes into like, well, that's what caliber of player you are. So you need to meet up. And I know that gets in guys' heads. Yeah. I know
0: a 100%. That's a huge contract. Well, and you throw him in A2, right? So he's a leader in the dressing room. But all of a sudden, you don't score. You score two goals in, in a calendar year. And you know no matter how good of a leader you are that if you're known to be a point producer yeah that message your message isn't really being heard much anymore
1: yeah you're kind of you kind of take away from that but it's like you know he he's just a rough and tumble guy who can score who has the ability to score that's not scoring Mm -hmm. you know it's not a bad player yes he's not the nicest skater and whatever else but A lot each like i don't know we just look at it with such critical eyes but to play at that level Mm -hmm. knowing what i know and what i coach guys on and what james you know my agent counterpart tell these guys like you're gonna have to be better than you are right now to get at the level that you want to be at and that's just real and to get to that level yeah there's guys that you're like oh my god how are you in the nhl right now But to be at that level, it takes a lot.
0: Yeah. And it's still the 99.9 percentile, right? Yeah, but
1: you go to one game, you spend 500 bucks and they lose 5 1. And then it gives you a voice to be like, oh, fuck him. He's so shitty. It's like, man, think of the pressure. Mm -hmm. Think of the fame. Think of the money. Think of your role and who you were. And if I'm not that, then who am I? Like, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And, you know, guys just go in slumps. It happens. I think, I have no doubt that. You know, coaching a guy like that, get him back on track. Cause I do it every day. Mm-hmm. It's just not, you know, we put them up on a pedestal and think they're unattainable, but every NHL player that I've met for the most part has been very humble, very nice, well handled, even in a situation where I would be like, okay, piss off. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all humans too, and we just kind of idolize them. And then when they don't fulfill that, you know, prophecy, then which gives us a voice to shit on them because yeah. we, you know, bought the cable package to watch them or went to a game or yeah. bought a jersey 5 years ago.
0: Yeah. You know. So, I mean, like as a guy who's concerned with helping people reach their maximum potential or exceed what they think their maximum potential is even, are there common are there commonalities that you've identified in your experiences that that are that are kind of blockades to people getting through like common ones that kind of everyone shares or is every case completely different? I think everybody's
1: story is completely different, which we already all know. So that is kind of the foundation. So going back, the it's a kind of a three-part answer. But the first answer is different story, different emotional traumas, different trapped emotions. So I solved the human and the mind first right and then you have the person and they are the way that they are from the situation their physical environment so that kind of helps me connect the two depending on how they're raised where they're from you know their their parents net worth whatever but the most common things I see and I think it's probably pretty true for people as well um, is sense of entitlement right so uh, I go to first line fourth line comparison alright you're the guy you know you're 18 years old you're you're drafted you got one more year in the WHL. You got a lot of points. You, you know, you're good looking. You're in your hometown. Like every, you got the checkbox, yeah. right?
0: And then you go Friday like, Night Lights syndrome. Yeah, right? exactly,
1: right. And then and then you go somewhere else, and you're the fourth line guy. And it's you know adaptability is also ties into that. It's like, okay, well then be the best fucking fourth line player. And then instead of saying why me, why me, why am I not on the first line? Say try me, like prove your doubters wrong. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes into you know my need for it is. Prove your is wrong with a chip on your shoulder. I was a long shot my whole life, and I still, you know, am, and I'm don't I am do not i am proud of it. So sense of entitlement, um, you know, comparing themselves to others. Most of them are pretty pretty self aware, um, but just the whole like I deserve to be here because I did this. Uh, it's kind of teaching them you're only as good as your last deal mm-hmm. type of thing, or your last game, and you're not always going to hear what you want to hear from the coach. Uh, I don't know a player who thinks they get enough ice time yeah you know and a lot of high performers like that a lot of them are stubborn I'm stubborn too I think high performers usually are um, because they know uh, you know what they're what they're capable of which is you and I chatted before about like not taking compliments well because you're stubborn Mm -hmm. and you already know like yeah that's me duh you know Mm -hmm. Um, and then uh, there's byproducts of that which is like lack of confidence and then you know the fun factor and then things just stack up but you know sense of entitlement worry overthinking Mm -hmm all very common things and then when shit goes south you go into the gutter so my whole plan is let's visit everything you're afraid of Mm -hmm. if you're not okay with the worst case scenario let's build a contingency plan for that whether it's a trade whether it's an injury whether it's you know a death or whatever is your worst case scenario Mm -hmm. visit that that you're not afraid of so you're not thinking about that because winning does solve everything when you're winning you're not thinking about any of that right but when you're two and 21 You start looking over your shoulder and then you get that below the line behavior where you're blaming other guys, which is another common thing I see, blaming other people for your situation, Mm -hmm. making excuses and then denying your own role in it. Like it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. So those are the most common things that I see with guys. And I try to tease that out by visiting like, all right, you're comparing yourself to somebody else who's meeting or not meeting team curfew. He's drinking. He's not giving an effort in practice and he's on the first line in special teams and you haven't even got a sniff. Of, you know the power play he's not gonna get you to the pro level he's not gonna get you an NCAA mm-hmm. you know commitment so fuck him, because that means nothing play your game keep your blinders on this is the plan that's the worst case scenario for plan goes to shit you you're safe mm-hmm. now we can focus on the future and course corrective you know it's that bulletproof confidence in a short-term memory yeah and then I teach them a reset button that is special to them and acknowledge that shit's gonna hit the fan and when it does, you know, my team motto is fuck them, right? I've got it on my suits, on my skate blades, guys write it on their sticks. Mm-hmm. And they just look at it and it's like, oh, Derek's here with me. I need to reset. Yeah. And they're making micro adjustments versus having a bad game. Mm-hmm. They're having a bad shift or a couple bad shifts. Yeah.
0: So when you say fuck them, it's not like a, I, you know, they're meaningless. It's more of a like, I'm the only one in control of, of what's going on to me, right? Like- yeah. It's
1: like, it's like fuck the negative value that they bring to me. Mm-hmm. It's like your negative emotions, the shit your coach says, the shit your parents says. It's not a dismissing like screw them attitude. It's like. Okay, they're always gonna be there. So just deal with it and focus on it mm-hmm. and you know pay off those mental mortgages And it's a con you're, you're gonna make a mistake. You're gonna have a last play mm-hmm. so Act as if every shift is a last play right. or the last day is the last day and be grateful and then you know from that gratitude and teaching them about gratitude mm-hmm. and uh, And appreciation but them. for me. It's just you know fuck the doubters or anything that doesn't really buy into your plan it's right. not that you're not meaningful or anything like that it's just it's kind of a reminder to keep the blinders on and hit the reset button right yeah
0: one of the most common strategies for people who are you know overcome by anxiety or fear of the worst case scenario is fear setting which I'm sure you know like in, yeah imagine the worst case scenario and then think like okay what would I do to get myself out of that and it's like okay usually the worst case scenario is not nearly as bad as you're making it out to be in your head so, I mean, the logical conclusion of that that uh, method for hockey would be like, look, like you're you're playing a game that you love, right? Like at the end of the day, it's kind of, when you consider your life and your family, it's kind of meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like at the end of the day, like the people around you in your life are the most important thing. So do you ever try and distance players from the game of hockey and be like, look, is, you know, you're having a bad season or a bad game or whatever. Like, is this really worth you know you getting even more upset about or is it just like you know dialing back in and say like one game at a time and you know just should be grateful to be here in the first place kind of thing
1: yeah it's uh i mean we try to try to do that i mean i focus on the person right good people Mm -hmm. make good athletes so outside of the stuff outside of hockey is usually most of what's causing the residual effects on the ice like if you've got a guy who's fully dialed on off the ice whether it's his routines his discipline all that stuff usually it's that so i treat the person first and then mm-hmm. the results show themselves on the ice mm-hmm. it's like we make a painting and then the ice is the opportunity for everybody else to
0: see it right so it's have you ever worked with a player who's got his personal life is in complete disarray but he's dialed in on the ice and his yeah, performance yeah yeah what do you make of that Well, I just think I I always go to like, all right, well, you're at an eight and
1: you're not doing all the things that make people a 10. Yeah. Imagine. So it's really just helping them cast a vision for being the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. But a lot of high performance athletes do not have their shit together. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at guys like John Jones and... I mean there's a lot of guys in the nhl that were Theo good. Flurry. yeah exactly a thousand points in a thousand games and that guy will never make the hall of fame because yeah. of his off fight habits mm-hmm. but he's a hell of a hockey player yeah so it's you know but you look at it now and he wishes it was different because he knows he could have got 1500 points of course you know what i mean it's yeah. it's the whole thing and this is the hard part about coaching is guys are doing good then they don't think they need you mm. and then it's like okay you're doing good I expect you to be good you're in the whl you yeah. should be
0: good i'm yeah. here to help make you good great. is a baseline yeah right? exactly
1: like you're here because you're at least a good <clears throat> hockey player mm-hmm. i'm here to help you make great and if you refine these little shit, but i mean some guys just need to be crazy man some of their off ice habits are insane mm-hmm. and when they refine them they feel better for sure because it's usually on a bodily thing right they're drinking or mm-hmm. most of them don't do drugs but they're
0: drinking and and, and whatnot so you know it's attracting and then they're not getting sleep so I try to but they also probably don't realize how bad how negative the the not sleeping and the drinking are those two things are just total like sabotage saboteurs in yeah. terms of life and then they probably don't realize how bad that is and they're probably blaming other things in their life too which mm-hmm. is creating more conflict and chaos yeah. right
1: yeah that's exactly right and I just try to crack the shell because mm-hmm. they're doing that for a reason right so I know the reason why I do this stuff so I try to see people's why and I think that's like why i'm meant to do this is it's a gut instinct thing like i know good guys when i see him, and i know when somebody's got a shell and there's a good person in there because i was that guy yeah you know you think oh cool you know juiced up tough guy you know good looking girlfriend cool tri- like whatever but it's like man if you sit and shoot the shit with that guy like he's probably not that happy so it's like you're that good already imagine if you just drank mm-hmm half as much beer yeah <laughs> or you know what i mean like oh i drink twice Mixed in a water buddy. yeah exactly i drink well one of my guys really good loves drinking beer mm-hmm. you know culture's little rattles showed up out of shape but it's still faster his cardio's good all that stuff but he looks like shit yeah and he's like i just love beers man i'm like i know you do but just maybe drink on friday instead of saturday or not game day stuff but maybe drink once a week versus just try to dial it in and then they see the results from that it's and then they get that validation. It's mm-hmm. like going to the gym and then you see your first ab come in. Yeah. It inspires you. Yeah, of course. So showing them a result by scaring the shit of them what the repercussions could be and giving them tangible examples that they can tie it to, like Theron Flurry, mm-hmm. um, you know, like whoever named the professional athlete that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, you look at that, like Tiger Woods, whatever. Mm-hmm. Those guys won championships and they were doing
0: all kinds of bad shit. Yeah. It's funny, like people high performers see like they don't do anything at 50%, everything's 100%, yeah, right? whether it's office habits yeah. or,
1: or whatever. But some guys are super talented too, right? Mm. And they don't need that, mm. and you know, they just get by on talent alone. But that depletes at a certain point when you know, hard work outshines that person. Mm-hmm. There's two different types of athletes there's guys that are really, really good that work their craft, there's actually just humans in general, guys that aren't talented but they work at it and they develop talent, mm. you know, like Conor McGregor, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, he's like. I'm not talented, man. I just work really hard. Yeah. And I think he is talented obviously, but yeah. you know, he works really hard and some guys are just natural at it like, you know, John Jones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, did drugs the night before. He fought and beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. You know, some guys are just raw talent. But if you can get that raw talent and and make it even better, mm-hmm those guys are setting records
0: well that's exactly you literally just described donovan bailey's path right yeah he comes in he's an old older for a track athlete like he starts in his mid-20s he's just raw pure athletic and natural power and then his coach dan path gets a hold of him finally and says to him like look season run he's like look if you're really serious come visit me down in louisiana like we'll we'll talk we'll will we'll get you to a level that you should be at if you want to pursue this seriously. So he get gets him and he goes like the first couple days, he's like, he can't even run. He can't even walk properly, let alone run. So we have to teach him how to walk. So they teach him how to walk first and then they teach him how to jog. And then like a week later, then they get into sprinting, right? And another thing that we learned about Donovan was that <clears throat> he's an agent of, he needs chaos to 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 get him up and up and going like he would come out the day of a race and be like ah guys i, I can't race today and i'm not racing today it's like what do you what do you mean this is the olympics do <laughs> you have to race ah you know I'm, I'm not gonna do it today well there's millions of people around the world watching you you need to do this and it's like okay well I'll, maybe i can maybe i can race but like he just had to create that chaos around his environment in order to spur him to to be great yeah. so it's just an interesting look at like what some people need and i mean one one method of thinking might be that like imagine if he were able to be comfortable with serenity and calmness would that have made him a better athlete or is no he needs conflict and he needs chaos
1: and i think that's probably from his you know childhood or whatever right like you're used to that thing and you've thrived in that environment so that's kind of like your your fuel in a way so it's like teaching guys how to switch fuel sources like Mm -hmm. all right you were running on diesel and you're blowing black smoke and You are doing good, but like, let's run you on some race fuel now. (laughs) But some guys guys are just like that. Most of the stuff I deal with, I got guys that I'm I'm very grateful to be able to have gotten them off antidepressants Mm -hmm. or anti-anxiety meds. And they're all from a story of, you know, hardcore dad, hardcore coach, verbal abuse, Mm -hmm. you know, and guys like not even telling their parents they're on them. And then they're off them within six weeks and don't even tell me because it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how are you doing with your pills? Oh, I've been off them for two months now like you didn't think to tell me like that was a goal thing you know so and I've I learned a lot you know uh, from other resources like my very best friend went into rehab for drugs booze and sex addiction Mm -hmm. very open about it and helping him see the light of like that's your story that's your chaos Mm -hmm. you needed to that validation of uh, women and when you were drinking then you were in hanging out with girls and then if you had drugs you do drugs and they were all just constantly feeding each other and then I—it wasn't until I started to get him, keep track of your of how many girls. Yeah, well keep track of how many girls you slept with, mm-hmm. and then let's keep and then let's look at this. Yeah. And then he's like, "Holy shit!" I was "He like, didn't
0: even realize." That I was, it was like,
1: "Man, so you got 120 kills in two years, and yeah. you're not famous." You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's that, <laughs> that's quite a bit, right? So he was he was keeping track. It takes and work, the, man. Like, yeah, that's like. Well, I mean, if Tinder was around when I was like you know younger or whatever, and yeah, holy man, I think I would have been in trouble too, but. I've learned a lot from him and now he coaches people in that same scenario because he can draw from right. that experience yeah. He'll be he's legit
0: he's got that validate you know see yeah. seem as valid to talk about it right?
1: yeah yeah he owns a company called white heart recovery now and he coaches guys um, in a lot of different contexts but from the recovery standpoint maybe prevents you from having to spend 30 grand a month to go to rehab in Cranbrook mm-hmm. or gets you on the back end it's like we got these plans it's it's kind of like uh, New Year's resolutions yeah you know you got the plans you go in, you get it done, you do the work six weeks, whatever you're in there for. But you've got a plan to kind of reinforce that. Then you're hanging out with the same people, you're doing the same stuff. Most people, it takes them three or four times before they figured it out. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we had a chat because he was getting into uh, into prescription drugs. He's like, man, I just I just don't care. He's like, I'm just numb. And I was, yeah, I was working with him and I was noticing behavioral stuff. It was like, man, you are uh, you got some major issues here. It was like, you need to tell your mom. And if you don't tell her, I'm going to tell her. But I don't want to scare you. I just don't want your mom to be robbed of not being able to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And she's going to feel really upset if she felt like you couldn't tell her about that. Yeah. So going into that story and his chaos and now, you know, he doesn't go. I mean, he's, we can go to local or whatever and he's not, you know. He's okay. Nice plug. And, yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's true, man. I asked the for our first like mandate when he got out. He's like, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, I'm not ready for that yet. Mm-hmm. And there's like I means a restaurant that serves booze. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Um, Now he's you know fully immersed can do it. So that was
0: exposure therapy on your part. You're like, hey, you're going to need to do it, right? Yeah. And the theory is that like life doesn't get easier for you. You just have to get braver. Yeah. Yeah. You have to have the confidence to get through it.
1: Yeah. Well, and that emotional check-in, I learned that from him. I did one with him. Mm -hmm. It's like a wood block and it's got some strings on it, Mm -hmm. and they're all like attached and whatever. And then you uh, you kind of end up like subconsciously like playing with the strings as you purge each emotion that the string is attached to. Okay. And then they're all unwound Yeah. at the end. It's like super weird. I did a check and he's like, he's
0: like we didn't really need to go that deep, but uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel guilty for this. Yeah. And I feel ashamed for that. And that whatever. shit feels good to unload that stuff, man. Like yeah. it's so cathartic. And, and I think we're, we're at a point now where we older generations are realizing that it seems like my generation is realizing that like, you know, but, you know our dad's age was the age of like you just stiff upper lip and you get through it you just do the things you have to do with there's something noble to be said about that for sure but you know how much better would life be if you were open and honest about what you're really thinking and feeling and if you could resolve some of those you know relationships that maybe aren't as good as you could hope them to be
1: yeah i think uh I think that's a big part of it. Um, you know, just identifying that vulnerability is a big part of coaching. Mm. And, you know, I get after it right away with the guys do some quick chit chat and then like they know like I'm not here to waste your time unless I do the fluff stuff. But I picture it like a farm. Okay. So if I was to pull up was your driveway, is your grass mowed, is your garden, you know, flourishing? Is there any weeds in there? Mm-hmm. Okay, and then what's your house look like is in your mind? Is there some cracked windows and pizza boxes everywhere? Like where do you need to you know pull the weeds out and the emotions are the weeds in your garden so farming's farming's a pretty common easy to tie two things so mm-hmm. you pull the weeds out of the garden you seed those new ideas and then your plan is to cultivate them and through that the windows get fixed and the pizza box get put in the garbage and mm-hmm. the floors get swept and then you're pulling into a beautiful yard that is your mind and you can't do that if you're not vulnerable because mm-hmm. your ego's in the way of being able to say like oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm yeah. fine.
0: But the guys suffer in silence, yeah. and they, tons of guys still are. Just say you're not and start from there, right? Because none of us are fine, right? Like, no. None of us are perfect. None of us are okay, really. Like Life is suffering, and it's just a matter of like trying to make the best of that situation. And, and the first step in any set of steps is acknowledging the issue and acknowledging the problem, right? What's
1: that? Uh, the what is it the bank job with Mark Wahlberg when um, – thinking the italian job um, the italian job okay. when he's, he's like ego he, he goes fine is freaked out insecure nervous but i can't <laughs> remember the e cuz Charlize Theron's like i'm fine oh. and then he's like freaked out insecure nervous and you know excited or something like that yeah. it was it was a, it's a pretty true acronym yeah but um you know it, it's my job to kind of penetrate those layers and get guys mm. over saying i'm fine or i'm okay or just kind of like doing the bare minimum of work And, uh, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, the results are the results. The guys that can adapt in -hmm. situations are self-aware and vulnerable are the ones that do well. And we identify all the shit and they put in the work and I get text messages that just bring a tear to my eye quite Mm -hmm. constantly of like, Hey man, just wanted to, you know, send an appreciation text, everything that we planned for this summer. Uh, I'm glad we built a contingency plan for it because it happened. You know, I was healthy, scratched a number of games. I'm struggling with school you know, all that stuff that we plan for is really helping me perform, mm-hmm. and guys are, you know, doing well in a new situation right away.
0: Mm-hmm. Have you ever coached guys um, once their career ends?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think. Uh I think a big part of that well some guys I mean it ends prematurely right
0: that's what I mean yeah, yeah. You don't retire often in the sunset at 40 years old yeah yeah these or guys 45, are 45 like these guys are quitting
1: high-level hockey because they're not having fun mm-hmm. that's one thing I can't give you is passion mm-hmm. you know and if you're doing it because your dad wanted you to do it and you just happen to be good at it I can't do that mm-hmm. and then I see them you know retire or quits or whatever and then I see their life um, and it looks great and they're happy and that makes me happy it's not my truth mm-hmm. I highlight the facts of what it is but it's my goal to get you ready for everything and those the the stuff that we work on um you know your your the arena that you go in is is a you know a showcase of how well you're doing off the ice and when you're not on the ice anymore at all you get to execute on all those life skills mm-hmm. and those tools that we've resharpened retooled and new tools that we put in there and it helps them out because hockey has been their identity if they're really good and i pride myself on having a you know, a high-end roster that way of high performers and getting them to the next level. But when they want to ride off in the sense that at whatever age, I feel like they now have got tools. Mm. Um, there's an emotional boundary that I have to cross quite frequently because I quit too early, and that's the reason why I do this. Yeah. So I always highlight the facts of like, okay, well, if you're not going to school and you're going to get a labor job, you're going to be up early, steel toe boots, coveralls, freezing your ass off. And missing hockey so don't leave anything on the table yeah. and just gut it out but some kids aren't they don't like it at all or they're just soft and they just throw in the towel and i see that a lot
0: it's interesting where your mind went because i actually meant it the other way around i meant guys that are passionate about it that want it but just realize they're not going to get to the next level mm. so like you know the the american leaguer who at like 34 you know maybe even he quits by 30 right like there's a lot of players who will get out in the american league for you know five years maybe a decade and go play in europe bank some cash and then move on to the next phase of life and i'm, I'm talking those guys the guys the unrealized dreams guys you know
1: there's a there's a few of them like that not not so much that have um been in the ahl for for 10 years my guys my oldest player is like 24 mm-hmm. so um, you know, I I interviewed Matt Hendricks, mm-hmm. and he was in the in the AHL for seven years, or eight years, and um, you know he, he finally made it. But when a guy realizes, um, um, I haven't I haven't I've seen it from an outside perspective, but I haven't personally worked with a player who's gone through that. But haven't talked to Matt, haven't talked to Derek England, who made the NHL like 28. That's all not conventional stuff. And talking to them and then seeing them do it. I see that side, but the guys that have gone through, played the A, gone Europe, and then throwing it in, you know, I would compare it to guys who've only had a cup of coffee in the NHL Mm -hmm. and then back down. You know, I I saw a highlight, a guy played 500 uh, AHL games. I'm like, you know, you're a minor leaguer for your whole yeah, life. Don't you know? celebrate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: right? But so I'm like, holy shit, like, but he's still going. Yeah. So Well it's tough because like you make once you get to that veteran status in the A, like you make a good you make a oh, good yeah. salary. You're getting yeah. paid well. You're playing pro. But it's a hard life because teams seek that veteran. So you have to be usually you're only on one two year contracts. You get moved around a lot. Like at some point you're kinda like of like this is too hard on my family. Like I can't do yeah. it. So you might not even be ready to throw in the towel for hockey. But for the family's sake, you gotta you gotta pick up you know and do something different. Yeah, I think uh, that's gotta be tough for players.
1: Oh yeah, the good thing is now is it's never been easier to play in Europe in terms of like connectivity and stuff. Mm. Um, if you really want to bang it out and make thirty grand a year playing in you know the uh, in any of the UK leagues or you know or others going you know, to Manchester like i'm still confident if i train for a couple of months i could get a spot on a team it's like you know it's not very it's like really good junior b yeah, hockey right but then you know there's guys i know guys making some pretty good scratch three four hundred thousand u.s non-tax mm-hmm. uh over there that are that are having fun and the whole europe thing is really sexy right now to a lot of guys so yeah. they're like well if he's are just gonna retire then i'll just go to europe you know uh, brian McGrattan did that for for a bit um jay rose hill did that for a couple of years after he played and retired and he wasn't ready yet. So I think by exclusion, mm-hmm. what we talked about earlier, he was like, I went there, saw it, played it, did it. it was like, it's time. Yeah. You know, so I get to see, it's cool to hear those guys go through that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, man, I played in the NHL. I fought, I traveled around. I only played 175 games, but mm-hmm. I, I made the big dance, right? And I didn't get a ring. So there's so many different levels to non-actualized dreams. Think of a guy who plays in the show mm-hmm. for 10 years, never wins a cup.
0: Yeah. And it's even harder when you're a star, right? Yeah, a Jerome McGinlay. Oh, it's like who who deserves and right now who can you think of that deserves a cut more than Jerome, right? Like it's damn, oh. man. It's it sucks for everyone involved, right? Yeah. But, but you know, life could be worse. Yeah. You, know, you got to pursue your dream for whatever he played 15 years or something in the league. Yeah. So yeah, there's lots of dough there too. Lots of guys are doing well, and yeah, he's not hurting before anymore. cap before cap
1: limits. You know, guys were making huge scratch. Yeah. and uh, you know just get in get out kind of thing mm-hmm. and I think it was Lindholm actually just said he's like yeah, I do, are you a little bit rattled that you're doing so good and you're on a six year 3.75 million he's like honestly man this is more money than I could probably ever spend or, and where I'm from I'm <laughs> yeah. happy with that's Hampus Lindholm yeah, I, yeah he's like I think it was him he goes I'm happy with 3.75 million and yeah, yeah I think I could
0: be a 6 million dollar guy but fuck what yeah. a good way to look at it man yeah honestly yeah, like it's 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 the perfect example of not comparing yourself to anyone else right yeah it's like you could easily look at a guy making you know five six mil and you know not putting up the points you do but yeah what good is that gonna do
1: yeah i uh it, it's true man but for me the the coaching side of things hearing those stories gives me better advice mm. and then what i've noticed about hockey players is they're always willing to give back you know like i know gratz or jay or Hendricks would if i said like hey, man, I, I got a guy, like, I, you know, I've hit, a, I've hit a point with him where he needs to hear from somebody else a new message. Would you take 10 minutes and talk to him? Yeah. Like, Brian Scrutland did that for me with one of my guys. He played the best hockey of his life for, like, a whole month. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, kid, I know you're battling, you're playing under this coach. Just stick it out and have fun. You know, I won two cups that way. Yeah. You know, so when you're around greatness, you're able to teach and promote greatness, and those guys give back, mm-hmm. which is kind of what it's all about. So it's... Uh, it's an interesting business to be in but I, I get to see my work on the ice when they do well mm-hmm. and then for me hunting is my arena right so
0: yeah so as a guy who clearly likes to talk you currently do live TV, live TV no wild TV yeah podcast um, why don't you do your own as well yeah I don't know I've uh, definitely thought about it right.
1: I uh, I I, I would definitely do it, 100%. Um, the Wild TV one's cool. I get to connect with hunting guys and hockey players and stuff like that. Um, How, what,
0: do you, what about that podcast? How are you able to like, take the hunting world from Wild TV and then bring on a hockey guest? Like, what's, the, what's the cohesion there?
1: The, the correlation between the two is performance. Okay. Um, so for me, hunting you know, is my outlet. And when you're practicing, shooting your bow, and you're being the best wilderness athlete you can be that animal comes time to draw back on that animal there's a lot of pressure there's adrenaline there's all that sort of stuff a lot of hockey players hunt and or fish so the correlation between how did you perform in that scenario in the nhl in terms of adrenaline management your first fight Mm -hmm. your first game draft day whatever and tie it to adrenaline management and hunting so it's all performance-based stuff um obviously we want to have guys that are on the on the network come on and you see somebody for 22 minutes like you know them, but you don't know them. Mm. so hearing their scariest story or how they made it or hitting on common misconceptions about what it's like to be on TV and just really diving into the people and the reason and getting to their why and then tying how they perform in that situation um, I think it, it casts a bigger audience versus like just hunting guys Mm -hmm. so i love having high performers on and i mean we had adam on a couple podcasts ago to talk about film and production Mm -hmm. and you know what advice would you give to somebody coming up and how hard is it and you know it's sexy to everyone oh you're on tv but you're not making any money you have a full-time job you know what i mean so it's
0: very interesting so i try to correlate the two. So I mean, if you did your own, what would you want to talk about? Obviously, high performance is a big thing that's near and dear to your heart, and obviously, helping people achieve that potential is a big one for you as well.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think just human optimization as a whole, yeah, uh, is is something and like what what makes people tick. You know, you and I have chatted about like the biology behind that sort of stuff, so. I would, you know, have guys like Ben Greenfield on say that to talk about, you know, their daily routines and regimens from a human optimization standpoint from supplements that are taking fasting, the benefits of sauna, cold therapy, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And then tying in the brain, having, you know, people from that have, you know, pro- are professional concussion experts or whatever, and then athletes, just anything that can add value to anybody and like, you know, just little i love tips and tricks man i love tips and tricks so you know what do you do in the routines and the habits of highly effective people are super intriguing to me and what makes Mm -hmm. winners win and the story behind that so it would be just more focused on the whether it's a corporate athlete Mm -hmm. or professional
0: athlete just looking for ways to add value to people in any way shape or form you uh you have no no problem kind of asking for things reaching out like you know that's how you and I met yeah. just DMs me on Instagram Derek goes hey man like like the podcast you're doing cool things I do a podcast as well like we should go grab lunch and it's fu- it's so funny cuz you you know pulled my trick on me cuz that's how I get pretty much all my podcast guests yeah. is you know just hey I've been looking you know at all the things you've done over the last couple of years or even your life in some situations and and I like the stuff that you're doing and can we talk about it? It's yeah. basically it. And, you know, it's it's amazing, like, the things you'll get if you just ask for it, right? I know.
1: Yeah, it's it's amazing, man. Well, tomorrow, I mean, Brendan Schaub. Yeah. that You know, that's... I just DM'd him trying to connect the dot. And, uh, I don't know, I just think people are really afraid of the repercussions of asking the question. And they don't do the math yeah. behind, like, what's he saying? No or ignores yeah. you?
0: No one... Everyone thinks, like, the unknown is the scariest thing, right? Yeah. So, like... I mean Scorje always puts it this way No is the second best answer You can get right Yeah And it's like It's better to know That it's a no And then move on Cross
1: it off yeah. Just like your exactly. life And your career By process of elimination mm-hmm. Man I DM Stone Cold Steve Austin
0: Did he like, get back to you? Fuck no <laughs> <laughs> but You know what's fucked up That you like DM someone With a lot of followers And then you see that They read it then you're like getting excited, but then you don't get a message back. That's frustrating.
1: I, well, I don't, I don't know, man. Some of them don't have the scene thing now.
0: Oh, is that right? Yeah.
1: Schaub doesn't have the scene thing, but he's oh, okay. responded back. Yeah. Uh, Stone Cold didn't respond, didn't see it. Mm-hmm. I messaged Burnsy. Um, Brent Burns? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that guy. I messaged him. Oh, he's a big hunter, right? Yeah. He's got his freaking zoo in Texas, yeah. man. He's got like 440 acres. And it, I just love it the way his family, the way he treats his family, the way he plays hockey. He's just a, cool dude like where's kuyu camo to a basketball game like he just gives zero fucks about what anybody thinks and i love that Mm. i wrote him he's seen it didn't get back to me like "Eh," but it's mid season he probably gets them all the time but Mm. it doesn't stop if you've seen it i'm gonna ask again oh for sure i'm not like creepy like hey man you know it's like hey bro like with Shab. yes it's it's gonna benefit me in the way that i get to meet somebody who's doing 10 times more than what i am Mm. and just being around greatness for me is what i love but I also want to help him cast the vision of selling out Roger's place.
0: Right. And tomorrow we get to, you know, do that. Show him around. Is he a hockey guy? Does he watch hockey he, at all? No, man. I don't oh, think so. Oh, we'll have so. to teach him a couple of things. Yeah.
1: So I was like, fuck, this would be cool to get a content piece, like strap on some skates. Like he's a big MMA guy, can yeah. turn comedian, like, you know, family guy, whatever. But I think seeing around, like he, he, he's talked about Gretzky and stuff. So it's like, you know, looking at the Gretzky memorabilia. Getting a photo op of him and Gretz or him and Don or him and whoever, mm-hmm. you know, it's a whole different audience for him and yeah. I just want to see him do well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really respect the guy, but I asked for it. and. You know, unless he just blackballs us tomorrow, which i fucking
0: mean, fuck, you never know. But but then uh, we know where he's gonna be the next two nights. Yeah, so exactly. I and then you chase, chase him down. he will be there the next. You'll be there that night. Yeah. you like, hey, bro, you fucking no show. Yeah, exactly. Dick, we pull a lot of strings. You know? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't buy the VIP ticket though. I just. No. I got the normal ticket. So. I,
1: I was gonna go tonight. I forgot he had a show tonight. Yeah. I was gonna go tonight because I'm worried. Like he he said yes. You know, did the hundred percent thing. Mm-hmm. Confirmed it was him and his mm-hmm. brother, but. I said, you know, here's my number, reach out, blah, 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 blah. Haven't heard yet. Haven't heard. But I, I, I know he'll show, yeah. but I'm still nervous. So I was like, do I get a ticket for tonight? It's not sold out. And yeah. be like, hey, man, I'll see you tomorrow.
0: See you tomorrow. Or do
1: I go buy a bottle of, like, Campore Forum and some soda and a card like, welcome to the City of Champions, see you tomorrow, Derek Shane. Or Sounds Derek like you're Shane. Trying to fuck the guy, though. They got to go extra mile. <laughs>
0: you know yeah, that's always the tricky thing like you want to reach out you want to be your authentic true self but you also don't want to like come on too strong yeah right like I get that a lot of times when we're reaching out to people do interviews for the docs right and like now with the biz being doc like the people that I'm reaching out to are like high high profile but it's funny like some you know fighters seem to be a lot like hockey players like there's no ego like in the last three days i've talked to like kenny florian daniel cormier gsp t2rt they've all just been like oh for biz sure for yeah. business no problem like yeah. like we're happy to do it for them. and then you kind of relax but some people i've worked with is just you know like they're just they've got the guard up constantly right mm-hmm. and it's, it's really hard because the more overbearing you are the worse it's going to make the situation so you got it's a it's always that fine line i think
1: yeah yeah it's uh i think it's just a gut thing when you're yeah. good at it you're good at it yeah. you know what to say you know how to say it mm-hmm. you're not like hey bro here's a you know i don't know just <laughs> something cheesy or whatever yeah. um i mean shop's an ex ufc guy man he knows biz being well yeah he talks about it on his podcast like Maybe tomorrow he'll be, you know, talk about that stuff. Oh, for sure. um, (laughs) Yeah, you can get another interview tomorrow about
0: Bisbee. No, and that's that's the tricky thing, though, is like, you know, you want to – doing these things without expectation right like yeah like setting up a tour of roger's place it was never about like oh what can he do for me now like, nothing what can yeah show do for me it's like you that crosses your mind you're like oh wow well, we've got him maybe i'll say like oh sit down let's do a podcast or something but it's like nah i think it's just way more powerful to be like hey i'm gonna do something nice for you some something unexpected something yeah. nice and leave it at that right yeah I think that's probably more powerful in the end
1: well and it's it's it, it, everything's about intention right And checking right. your intention And if you're doing something for selfish reasons, you got to acknowledge that there's a benefit, right? Mm -hmm. If he reposts something that I posted, Mm -hmm. I get like 400 profile visits. I mean, the guy's got almost 800,000 followers. Like, it's going to happen, right? Mm -hmm. That's a byproduct, but that's not the result I'm seeking. I want him to be in a hockey arena, the nicest one in the league, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, with arguably the best generational artifacts yeah. of any kind with the guy who's right there the whole time doing it it's I think it's the best look at it mm-hmm.
0: that he'll ever get and just imagine selling this place out well I was thinking about that so the last comedian that I remember who sold out Roger's place I believe was Kevin Hart mm-hmm um, or that might have been Rexall but then Joe Rogan came here and he's no one's bigger than him right now but he only sold out the not only but he sold out the what's the theater at U of A called oh Jubilee <laughs> the Jubilee yeah I, I went so, like, do they even do comedy shows as big as Rogers Place anymore?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sebastian Maldonado just sold out uh, MSG three nights in a row. Holy shit. Kevin Hart, like, that guy's big. Mm-hmm. You know, Rogan, I think, could sell out in in in, uh, in Rogers for sure, but he likes doing theaters. Yeah. He only did a half rink in Abbotsford. Yeah. And they got a pretty big rink. He did a half rink there. He likes the theater vibe. The audience is kind of yeah. on
0: top of you. Did you come to the Making Coco premiere? No. Because, okay, so the way we had it set up, so picture the ring. We had the stage set up, like, say on the blue line, mm-hmm. but then facing the, like, the club part of the arena. Okay, yeah. So, so there was, I think, like, 2,600 seats, but this massive, like, wall amphitheater of seats right in front of you, I think that would be a really cool setup for a comedy. Oh, yeah. It's like this, you know, 26, that's nothing to nothing to snuff at but yeah i think that would be a cool setup and so maybe he can do that maybe he can sell that out yeah (laughs) start with that
1: he's only been at it for two years i just i i I remember the podcast where he's like i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna try it and then rogan's like yeah man you should try you should try it Mm -hmm. and now he's just like killing it i was like "He, he you take all those tools and you put them to a new thing right he went from career to calling and now he's just absolutely dominating it so i think asking the question like You don't ask if you don't, or you don't get an answer if you don't ask. And he said yes. And tomorrow we get to, you know, find ways to add value to him. And I have zero preconceived notions of what the result will be. Mm -hmm. I just want a picture with one of my buddies that I, you know, (laughs) that uh, I really respect and him. And, you know, that's it. I wanted to just see it and be like, you know what, that guy treated me fucking good.
0: Yeah. What's the biggest, most unexpected get that you've ever achieved just by asking? (laughs) Like something that you were like, there's no way. But you asked for it anyway and you got it
1: is it asking myself or asking somebody no else? no
0: no asking if someone else
1: i would say i would say sh- this this like, yeah this and shop i don't ask for much man yeah. other than like maybe a, a an interview which is you're gonna say yes we're gonna say no yeah but in terms of like cool stuff i mean i've had tv show offers and stuff like that but they didn't feel anything like you know this does mm-hmm. you know what i mean because it's somebody i look up to somebody i respect somebody um you know bros with and just in a cool situation and ask for it just people saying yes to the podcast is probably the most consistent like McGrath was like, "Fuck yeah, man! Here's my number." And then, "Well, like,
0: oh, sweet man, you didn't know him at that point."
1: No, nothing, man. Wow. I I didn't know him. My wife introduced me to Rose Hill because they're from the same town. Mm-hmm. And uh, Hendrix, I just DM'd. All these guys are just DM'd, man.
0: It's a yeah. fucking miracle of social media. It's it's pretty wild what what can be accomplished that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm having a lot of fun using it, but I also don't like it. But I see the value in it.
0: Yeah, it, like anything, it can it can be. You know bastardize. it can be used in a negative way or can be used in a positive way right?
1: yeah yeah that's good i mean access to information right so it's always finding new and exciting ways to you know show it's a weird thing it's like this is who i am it's kind of like your virtual resume mm. but i don't feel like i need to add stuff just to add stuff i just want content it's more of just a landing page for my players if you see yeah. any of the likes any of the views mm-hmm. they're all either professional athletes or just athletes that i work with and then some people that follow me but the content stuff like i kind of like being in the weeds and in the trenches Mm. and then just having that as like a landing page um you know i don't i don't know i just don't
0: it bothers me to be on it all the time and it's disingenuous for sure some of the way some people treat it but there is something to be said for for putting out pushing out content even when you don't feel like doing it yeah because just by nature of having that stuff up people see that like look it validates like you are out there doing good things and Mm. especially if you're a guy that kind of works in the weeds and more behind the scenes it can almost like unless you have that landing page with a bunch of good stuff on there people think oh he's doing nothing yeah or he's kind of you know it's like going to someone's page who's who's really famous and seeing that they only have 500 followers you're like what the hell like that's weird that's unexpected but some people
1: like the quiet stuff too like some guys are private right private accounts mm -hmm. like Ryan Whitney, one of the I always a famous podcast host for Spin. His is private. He's only got four hundred thirty nine followers. Right, and I fucking pressed follow. He didn't accept. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, there's some guys that are out there. But I also see the other side of it. it's like, mm. okay, well he's busy working, and I respect that. Yeah, but I try to put stuff out there that just you know has continuity with my message, or you know, just showing that like I am in the mix with these types of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am adding value to those types of people, whether it's, you know, the, the you know, best NHL team of all time uh, event and meet Gretzky and photos and stuff like that. Or, you know, my Bentley to show them like, hey man this was my dream car i dreamed this car when i was driving i knew the first fucking song i was going to listen to yeah. i created the entire vision for myself i got it drove it had fun with it and then i sold it yeah you know what I mean. it wasn't what i thought yeah. it was going to be that's a great
0: example of that kind of stuff's not important right it's
1: not at all man i mean yeah. you feel cool you drop the top you listen to some rick Ross, ross's cruising yeah. <laughs> there's like no bentley's around you know what yeah. i mean like it's cool but yeah i looked at the car i was like fuck that thing's an anchor like the money that i spent on this thing i could now put it Mm-hmm. Into my business, or into a foundation, or into my hockey school, or yeah. just do more with it. Versus feeling good about myself, right? It gave me the validation that I knew I could accomplish a goal, mm. but it didn't give me fulfillment. Yeah, in that way, which is, it was a good lesson for me. Yeah. That car taught me a lot. Yeah. One hundred and twenty thousand dollar lesson. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll I'll end with a um, the cliche question, but it's one that fits really closely to your message. And, and I think what you try and do with people is, you know, what is something that you would do if you weren't afraid of failing at it? (sighs) That's a tough one because for
1: me, I'm not afraid of failure anymore. Like Mm -hmm. I used to, I don't have the same value on it. Um, I ask myself that quite frequently if there's something that I'm not doing Mm -hmm. and I'm like, is it because you're afraid to fail? Um, That's a question that I ask quite frequently. And for me, it's a difficult answer because I'm not that afraid to fail anymore Mm -hmm. because I've been through so much shit and come out on top aside from yeah i don't even know man because i just don't give a fuck anymore yeah. it's like so
0: liberating because yeah. i don't seek the validation from it and- all right let me ask a different question then this one just popped into my head but there's so many there's so many hacks and tactics and strategies and and you know tim ferris has spawned a million copycats and you know just people doing great stuff yeah. and, and putting good messages out there but like You're just, you're, it's just overload, right? Oh, yeah. Are there any fundamental principles, like one, two, three max that you've sort of like boiled down to that, like, this is the way to live? Chop
1: wood, carry water. That Mm -hmm. would be one. Um, Don't give a fuck about what anybody else thinks. And that's the thing. I think failure is in the same category where people are are afraid of failure or they're afraid of failure because they're afraid of what people think. Mm -hmm. And, um, the other one is just, I don't know, man. It's all work ethic for me. Yeah. Like, you got to work it. But it, it, my my number three would be go with your gut. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Every time.
0: But, like, go with your gut is a, it's a good one. And it, most most times it's right. 99% yeah. of the time it's right. But it's one that's easy to ignore, right? Because like, oh. we've got these giant fucking meat sack heads that we, with these brains that can just over rationalize or under rationalize things and just you know completely screw up what you just thought should have been like boom quick decision
1: yeah i I, i'll say lead with the gut you gotta you you gotta reference your heart you gotta reference your your mind Mm -hmm. but your gut is always right and anytime i've gone against it it's cost me financially it's cost me emotionally yeah you know relationships whatever your mind can play tricks on you your heart can play tricks on you lead with your gut Reference your, you know, all your inner decision barriers
0: yeah. and finish off with your gut. I'm a gut instinct. guy. I like it. I like it. I'm trying to be more like that. Here's one. Okay. So here, here's a, a sentence that I, I picked up from a book I was reading and it's about, you know, how to live your life and it's not specific. It's very overarching, but it <laughs> says live as if you were living already for the second time and as if you had acted the first time as wrongly as you're about to act now. So oh it's shit, like in, that's deep. in any given situation, pretend like you've been there before and you've acted in the wrong way already. And then say, what would the right way have been? Oh, yeah. And you know what? That kind of just saying that out loud kind of goes hand in hand with. I don't know if you listen to Terry Crews on Tim Ferriss's podcast, but yes, yeah. the best way to accomplish anything is that is to say, what would that person do in this situation if I were a successful person what would a successful person do in this situation if I were a kind person what would a kind person do and then just do that yeah right that's the best way to accomplish something
1: that's uh that's amazing man I I like that I think for with that statement just to reflect on it would be drinking would be the one thing for me like what would a pro do Mm. you know I try to be a pro in every situation they go low I go high that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but you know every decision any bad thing that's ever happened to me my nose my toes you know i I got a toe that's fused together any injury any bad decision anything has all been a result that would be a good question to ask myself when i was like 16 (laughs) onward eh yeah because you're you know you're if i had to go back i i you know did some shitty things when i was younger so the the drinking would be the the one that would be a good question to put on like every single bottle of liquor
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) would you drink this if you were living this moment for the second time and if you had drank this the first time would you drink this again (laughs) you have no sales you have no sales derek i appreciate it man thanks for the time this was fun you bet. I have a, uh, a striking suspicion this won't be the last time we are uh, on the air together. I have that same suspicion. Yep. Yep. So, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, anything you want to leave them with, or if nothing um, profound or unprofound, uh, just where to where to find you as well. Uh, well, first off, thank you
1: for having me on. I really appreciate it. I, uh, you know, I love chatting about that sort of stuff. And my message for anyone or my takeaway would be. Um, You know just check in check in your emotions before you do anything and uh and then make a decision because a lot of the shit we do is based on past things that have happened to us and you know if you're able to go through why you're making that and analyze it and make a more meaningful and fulfilling decision you your path is so much clearer when you have all your emotions purged and uh if anyone wants to chat more about that um my business website because i do this with corporate coaching as well as a strategist Um, is derrickstone.ca and then uh, that's D-E-R-E-K spell it the good way and then uh, and then uh, spahockey.com and that stands for Stone Performance Academy not some fancy spa but spahockey.com is my website and then all my contact info is there and then I think on Insta it's just Coach
0: D Stone Coach D Stone yeah perfect you on Twitter at all?
1: Uh, I have it but I just kind of I use it for news just creep I, I repost the shit that my guys do good yeah like uh spokane reposted or posted something i retweeted it nice. i'm very minimal twitter
0: perfect yeah all right man i appreciate it and uh looking forward to tomorrow with you yeah me too thanks again man see you Derek. see ya hi again it's me hope everyone enjoyed the episode of the podcast Huge thanks to Derek for sitting down at the table with honesty, vulnerability, and enthusiasm. You know, guests like him really make my job wicked easy and quite enjoyable. There are a ton of great podcasts being produced right here in Alberta. Uh, Something I am a little guilty of is not being incredibly politically informed. Uh, And so a podcast for people like me caught my eye. Speaking Municipally is hosted by Taproot Edmonton and presents a weekly discussion of municipal politics. Troy Pavlik and Mac Mail pay attention to City Council so you don't have to. Make sure to check them and all the other great podcasts out at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you later.